Hey, good morning, folks. I want to thank you for joining us online, and I hope that, uh, again, you are doing well. I want to remind you of a couple of things, that even though we uh, are unable to maybe meet in the large group style, that we appreciate so much the freedom to do here in the United States right now due to the, the rising concern of COVID and our exposures that have run through uh, the church family. I want to uh, encourage you to stay strong, that, that we are still united as the body of Christ, no matter where we are, that, that yes, we've talked about this building not being the place where the church lives. The church lives in you and in me, and where you are matters, and so I want to continue to, to point you to stay engaged in these messages, and stay engaged in your uh, your resourcing of the church and of your community and, and those couple of ways that we can do that. Uh, first and foremost, we know that we're collecting some coats still. Stay, stay focused on that. Bring in as many coats as you can. We're going to be continuing to work in partnership with Johnstown High and Richland High School to make sure that families receive those coats for the winter months, as well as the socks that we'll be presenting to the Prospect neighborhood, along with a Christmas toy that, uh, that the youth group's going to go and take care of as well. So, so the coats and the socks right there in the airlock. That's, there's some tangible ways that we can continue to be united as the body as we uh, see these times hopefully fading away behind us. And one day we'll be able to look back and say, this is what, what God did in this time. And so as we look to that and, and continue to mature in our faith, even in and through these circumstances, we're going to continue with our series that is uh, growing up. And this week it's kind of growing up as Jesus. And we're going to look at it the next two weeks or so about what, what it would be like um, to focus on Jesus as our example. And, and we talked a little bit about this last week as we look at gratitude and we saw Jesus' compassion for others. But, you know, especially in these moments, we need to figure out what that compassion looks like. And and there was something that struck me as I hear these phrases tossed around and around. And, and one of the things that we've heard maybe a lot this year is that, that if you would just take a moment to walk in another man's shoes, you might see things differently in the world. And, and I got to thinking that, that there are so many phrases that we toss around in this world that, that really have a biblical context. And and that is one of them, that, that the ultimate story of walking in another man's shoes is what Jesus did for us at this time of the year. That he gave up his glory, his place in eternity at, at that moment as he existed and he walked into the created world. It's the biblical concept of walking a mile in another man's shoes. Things like this, the, the world has co-opted or taken and, and used them. But the reality is that, that all of these phrases begins kind of in your view of God. And where do you place him? him. They, they, the world takes these things and twists them around and then you look back and you think, wait a minute, the Bible says those things like uh, I was reading in Genesis earlier this week and, and it's uh, Cain and Abel's story and, and Cain kills Abel and then says, well, what am I, my brother's keeper? 
There's another phrase, right? Am I my brother's keeper? That we, we take these things and we make them part of our vernacular in this temporal world, but really they have their basis in what God has been doing for all of eternity. And, and he was developing this plan to show us what it would be like to literally walk in our shoes. And so your view of God and, and how you see this world as a result need to be shaped by some of these things. Do you have a high enough view of God and understand what Christmas is really all about? Because Christmas is one of those things, too, that, that the world has co-opted and made it all about Santa Claus and Frosty and, and by getting the gifts that you want and things like that, Black Friday, and, and all those things are, are things that God allows to happen for our enjoyment of his creation, but yet it needs to be brought back and centered on who he is. And as we look at the true illustration of, of our our perception of God, it matters and it changes the way we view our every day. And, and so I wanted to take this phrase, walk a mile in another man's shoes, and really flesh it out for you, not to, not to use a pun, but, but to really put some skin on that thing and say, look, this is what Jesus did. And this is really what this time of year is about celebrating the fact that he would be willing to come and take on a life of flesh and bone and exist in our world to demonstrate uh, how to do it well. And then to ultimately pay the price for our sins, that that was part of God's plan all along. So to start, I want us to make sure that we understand that there is a hierarchy here in our world, that that. Man and God are not on the same level. And, and so I went back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28, and I want us to start there so we have an introduction to John chapter 1. But Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And in one small section of scripture, it outlines the, the primary position of everything that really exists in our world. The world has co-opted some of these things systemically to change the way we view them, but the reality is Genesis tells us that, that God is here, that he is the creator of all that we know including us. Yes, we are made in his image and we have some characteristics. We have some things that, that demonstrate that we are in his image. And it says that over and over. It says it actually four times in this, this two verses that we are created in his image, our like, in our likeness, 
our own image, in the image of God, that there is a creator and a creation. There is a, there is a clear distinction between the two. And our view of God in this season matters. Do we view that God's ways are higher than ours? Do we acknowledge that God is the creator and we are the created? It's a wrestling match that we're having with our world right now. Do we ultimately have control over this virus? As the creation can we figure out a way to put it to rest? I don't believe we can. It's not within our power and strength because God is the creator and we are the created. These times draw us back and help us understand that, that yes, we have been given a purpose and a place and that place exists above the animals who are not created in the image of God and then the plants and, and those things under that are even lower yet. They've been given to us for, for us to be able to rule and to, to have dominion over all of those things here in this temporal world and to use them as God has gifted them to us. And so therein lies the whole hierarchy. God the creator, us the creation, and then all of the good gifts that God gives in this world to his creation. But ultimately all of it was given by God. And that view is, is something that we need to think about as we think about how Christmas is one of the stolen ideas that our world uses. That, that there's really nothing new inside of our world and, and that as the creator steps into his creation, it's still on our behalf. So think about that. The creator steps into the creation but it's still all about the creator making a way for the creation to have something better. Everything that God does is on purpose and for our benefit. Always has been and always will be. So as we think about what it might look like for us to better understand compassion and to walk in another man's shoes and what does that look like, we want to look at what Jesus was and why it was so important that we view him as God, the creator, stepping into his creation. John chapter 1 is a familiar chapter this time of year. It's something that we read and we look to often because it demonstrates exactly what I'm talking about. That, that this time of year, this season, is about when the creator became part of the creation and changed the dynamics of eternity for us, its creation. John chapter one, verses one through five. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made and in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is a pretty encouraging passage as we look at the, the past few months and 
we really think about what to what lengths is God willing to step into his world, to intervene on our behalf. This is the example. That Jesus, who was there as the word, okay, the word becomes flesh, our example, the logos, becomes flesh and steps into creation. God places himself inside of his creation to walk in our shoes, to be an example, a demonstration of what it is that that is possible. That's the length to which God is willing to go in every situation for you. But your view of God matters. How highly you understand this, how highly you treat him. That the word that Jesus, our creator, steps in and he is the life, right? It says him, in him was life. He was going to give us back our life, our eternity. And he is the light. He's the encouragement. And the darkness will not overcome it. That's the lengths to which God went, was to step into his creation, become part of our world for our benefit. Our spiritual maturity, as we develop it and, and create it and, and work and grow in it, demands that we have a high view of Jesus because we have to have a standard. If you're thinking about this series and you've watched these videos and you're thinking, man, I, I really want to be better at that. I want to do that. Then, then you need to understand that Jesus is the reason you can do better. It has nothing to do with your capabilities, nothing about your abilities. And, and yes, your God-given talents and, and things are available to you, but only if you allow Jesus to, to be the standard. That we never become complacent and say, well, I'm good enough now. Spiritual maturity depends that we have a really high view of who Jesus is. The God that was there creating our universe, now walking inside of our creation. The idea that, that we have this view of God becoming one of us. You see, we have typically the ability to reverse it, right? So there's this fancy word called anthropomorphism. And that is when we take characteristics of the human race, of man, and place it on other things, okay? We tend to do that with God. And so you need to ask yourself, as you understand walking in another man's shoes and trying to develop compassion and spiritually mature, are you able to, to keep God at this level? Is he the standard and I need to continue to grow and to reach and to do things that, that would be more honoring to him, knowing that, that I'm never going to get there inside of this world because, because I'm a sinful man. I'm not going to measure up to the standard that God is because he's God. He's the creator. He's the one that stepped into our world to give us an example. Do I have that high view of God or do I reflect and use characteristics of my human nature and project them onto God to make him more human, to make it more attainable for me? 
Do I lower my view of God so it feels like I am more like him? It's the common question. Do I want to be like God? Do I want to aspire to be God? Or do I want to be with God? God wants to be with you, right? From the very beginning. He has walked this earth with you. He has done that with Adam and Eve. We've talked about all of this. As we spiritually mature, God is with you. And is that enough that, that you get this relationship with him? Was this enough that he came and walked in our creation and he was God and gave that all up and became one of us? Is that the standard that we aspire to someday? Or do we want to be God and control the situation and try to, to continue to, to maneuver to be God? As we walk in another man's shoes, it's really difficult to, to understand that from God's perspective. We don't even know what it's like to have such power, such dominion over everything in the world, to speak a world into existence and then say, I love that world so much, I'm going to become a part of it for their benefit. As our spiritual maturity grows and we Look at verse 14 of John chapter 1. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among him, among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus put on this flesh. God, the creator, changes the hierarchy, becomes part of his creation for our benefit and shows us that it is possible for us to walk in another man's shoes, to develop that, to become man, to show us glory. But he did it in a way that, that showed us the glory of the Father, right? He was pointing back to creator, the creator, the creation, and, and all that he was and, and the miracles that he performed. All of those things were so that we might have life and light. As we continue to mature and we answer the question, is my view of God high enough? Do I aspire to what it is that, that he has set as the standard? Or do I continually try to bring him down to my level? Why am I so concerned if, about the way you answer that question? Because if you have that ability in your own life, to try to bring Jesus down to your level, then, then you're, you're never going to be able to, to have the level of compassion for another human being that, that is needed, that is required of you to really understand that other person's situation. You see, Jesus emptied himself of everything that he possessed. He literally became part of creation so that we would have a goal, an aspiration. Spiritual maturity means nothing without that high view of God. We think God, if we think Jesus specifically, 
was just a good man, just a prophet, someone that was here uh, to show us an example um, how to behave. That's not a high enough view. But if I have a view of Jesus that tells me he is God, he was my creator, he was in the beginning, he was God, he was the word. If I have that view of him and my behavior changes, then I am glorifying him even more. Because I'm acknowledging his position, I'm not glorifying myself and my behavior. It's pretty important as we think about the way the world twists things around and, and makes them their own. It's, it seems so subtle, and maybe I've been confusing as I've talked this over with you, but, but I'm going to give it a, a little bit of a shot here to, to, to kind of straighten it out, okay? There was a precursor to Jesus, a family member that we talked a little bit about last week, and it was John. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, was his life was about calling people to repentance in this world for their sin, for their wrong behavior. And, and he was baptizing them and he was, he was using their repentance of sin to welcome them into the family of God. He died because he called, he called into question the moral... Uh, life of the local governing bodies, right? He, he called into question whether or not he should marry who he wanted and, and all of the backstory there that we could go into some other time. He gave up his life because he wanted people to repent and, and understand their behavior should be different because of who God is. And how do I know that? Because in John chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it's very clear how John the Baptist felt about Jesus. What motivated him in life. John the Baptist says here in verse 26, I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one that you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. And he's speaking of Jesus here. And he says, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. He takes Jesus and elevates him to a place that he is unworthy that he even untie his sandals. And yet Jesus has this beautiful moment with John where he comes to John and asks John to baptize him, to fulfill all the laws, the prophets, all of the promises that had gone on before, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus looks at John and says, I acknowledge that you understand who I am. That positionally you get it. As we grow and spiritually mature, it's not enough just to change our behavior. I hope you've heard that over and over and over. It's not about your behavior. It's about the condition of your heart. And today, specifically about your view of God. As he is the creator, we are the creation. And the creator chose to step out of its place as the creator and become the creation 
for your benefit so that there might be a way to change your eternity. And John the Baptist got that and he understood his place and, and all that went into that. And so I have a simple question for you, kind of. Just a couple of thoughts to wrap this up. Have you constructed a view of Jesus that consistently challenges you to seek the truth and be gracious? Because Jesus was full of grace and truth, right? If you look at those two things, he had fully grace and fully truth. He brought the truth of the word of God, but he did it in a gracious way. Are you viewing Jesus that way? That it consistently challenges you to seek out the truth, to read the word of God, to find out what it is that, that the world needs and then graciously deliver it. Is that your view of God? And do you truly recognize what it took for Jesus to walk in your shoes? Would you welcome him into your life to walk in your shoes? Do you ever find yourself saying to Jesus, well, if you only knew what it was like to be me, do you recognize what it took for him to lay aside all of his glory and to do that on your behalf? If you do, if you do recognize it, then, then love others because he first loved you. We now, because Jesus came, because he lowered himself from the creator to creation and became part of our world and showed us what it was like to, to work inside of the fullness of grace and truth, we now are the stewards of grace and truth. We get to be that in a world that desperately needs it. But it requires us to have that view of Jesus that challenges us to be more truthful and more gracious every day. That we would grow in those two things. So I hope this week you'll wrestle with that question. Have you constructed a view of Jesus that consistently challenges you to seek truth and be gracious. Is that something you're working on every day? Because you know that the creator put on your shoes inside of your world for your eternity. And he did it in grace. He did it with grace in mind. <laughs> I'm going to take a moment and pray for you. And I know that that these moments have been difficult as we think about all that are sick and have been compromised and have been exposed to viral issues. And I want us to continue to, to mature together as a body. And I hope that you are doing that. And it's going to take an extra amount of effort as we aren't able to sharpen each other in person. But I pray that you are listening and that you hear the word of God say, you are a steward of grace and truth as you follow the example of Jesus. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for taking 
the opportunity to step into your creation, to become part of our world. And I pray that we would continue to wrestle with what that means and that we would thank you continually for that and, and that we would aspire to be gracious to people in our world, that we would bring truth to their reality, that, that we would help them and, and find, help them find a way uh, to you, Jesus. That one that the one that brings ultimate healing. Lord, I pray that you would continue to use us. I pray that you would continue to protect us. Thank you for your love for us. I pray for those that are affected by the virus today that you would continue to give them uh, comfort that we might be able to continue to reach out to them and show them the love and the kindness that you showed to us first. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do that. In Jesus' name. For more information on the ministry of Liberty Grace, go to graceinrichland.com. To support the ministry of Liberty, go to graceinrichland.com slash giving. Thanks for joining us today.